back. Seven past the hour. This is the Faith Radio Network. Are we heading for another mortgage crisis in this country? And could the U.S. government be responsible for it? Well, business consultant Bill English of BibleandBusiness.com has been researching this issue, and he's more than a little concerned. Good morning, Bill. Yeah, actually, I am. There's a number of things that the government is doing slowly, quietly behind the scenes that I think uh, is going to eventually create another housing bubble and another uh, crisis like we saw in 2007 and eight. The, uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, had several articles on this. They've been talking about underwriting standards uh, for first-time home buyers and repeat home buyers, and basically those standards being loosened, uh, essentially saying the federal government starting to repeat the same kind of mistakes that led to the housing bubble and the economic crisis back mm-hmm. in 2008. I thought it might be good to get a kind of a historical perspective on that, Bill. Sure. What happened that created that housing bubble and the banking crisis eight years ago. Well, I'm going to try and thumbnail this in just a couple of minutes for you. In 92, 1992, Congress enabled uh, what were called affordable housing goals for the two giants in the secondary mortgage market, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, okay? And uh, HUD, the Housing and Urban Development, was assigned the role of the mission regulator to make sure that Fannie and Freddie performed the roles that they needed to perform. Now, for those that don't understand the secondary market, what happens is that when a bank bank uh, sells you a mortgage, they take that mortgage and they sell it to uh, Fannie or Freddie and they get their money back. The banks actually don't hold the mortgages. The vast majority of the mortgages in this country are held by either Fannie or Freddie. Uh, and that's re- they're really, uh, those two institutions are public institutions created by Congress uh, uh, to create liquidity uh, in the mortgage market. So the government's basically holding your note. In In essence, yes. In essence, yes. The government is holding your note. And so in 92, now think about who came into office in 1992, right? Uh, Who came into the presidential office was Bill Clinton, and he wanted to uh, pay back some of his constituents. And so he asked Congress to uh, pass some affordable housing goals so that low and moderate income people uh, would have uh, greater access to home mortgages and to homes uh, through really a lessening of the underwriting standards. And what we saw is that as Fannie and Freddie started to encourage the banks to lower their underwriting standards, because Fannie and Freddie were lowering their underwriting standards, we saw the banks starting to make all kinds of loans to people who shouldn't have received them. So, for example, for decades in this country, there were always three parts of a mortgage or uh, three parts of the applicant that we looked for to make sure that we would have a very low delinquency rate on the mortgages. We looked for 20% down, we looked for FICO scores, credit scores above 660, and we looked for what we call debt-to-income ratios, DTIs, debt-to-income ratios. Not a money you're making a month and whether you can pay your mortgage. Or you can pay your mortgage and your other debts, and right, we, looked, right. we looked at that at 38% or lower. Uh, well, what happened is is that uh, Fannie and Freddie came in and said, well, you can start to give them mortgages at 10% down or with 5% down. And today we're seeing New Day. I mean, you see these New Day ads on TV uh, where vets can get mortgages for zero money down. And what, what they found was that in any one of those three categories, if the mortgage applicant was substandard or below the the general threshold, the rate of delinquencies just shot up. Uh, you know, either somewhere between eleven and fifteen percent of those mortgages ended up being delinquent. And so Fannie and Freddie uh, lowered their underwriting standards by two thousand. They were accepting loans with no money, and uh, the result was we had over five million loans. 
Um, upside down. They, they, mm. they were upside down. Mm. And the majority of the loans on June 30th of 2008 that were owned by Fannie and Freddie, 31 million loans and $5.3 trillion at risk were what we called subprime. So a prime loan is when you can meet those three standards I just hit. A subprime loan is when you don't meet those three standards, but you get the loan anyways. Those are called subprime loans. And the more that Fannie and Freddie lowered their underwriting standards, the more the banks followed it because the banks didn't care. They didn't have an incentive to keep their underwriting standards up because as long as the government was bar or buying their mortgages, how how was the bank going to be harmed by this? Because they get their points, right? They get their money they when get you their get money. their loan, and they just turn it over to, to Fannie and Freddie. Now, yeah. the 30,000-foot level here, really what this is about is the federal government saying everybody should be able to have a house, regardless of their income or their credit. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. that just doesn't work. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't work. And, and the interesting thing was, was that before uh, – Congress and HUD and Fannie and Freddie got into this subprime deal um, in 1992. We had a we had a home ownership rate in this country of 64, 65 percent. Guess what? After 2008 and all of the uh, bad things that happened and all the delinquencies that happened, we still had a home ownership rate of 64, 65 percent. So the government did nothing to increase the overall home ownership rate in this country, and yet uh, they created a housing bubble uh, that, that was really uh, difficult on everybody. So just just a couple of other notes. When those underwriting standards went down, there was an unintended consequence, as there almost always is. And one of the unintended consequences was that people who would have uh, uh, qualified for a prime mortgage on a smaller home decided to take advantage of the easy credit terms, and they bought larger homes at easier terms with no money down. And they put themselves in a position where they maybe they should have bought a home for one hundred and fifty thousand, and they bought a four hundred thousand dollar home, and their payments were exponentially higher. But because they were on uh, adjustable rate mortgages, or because they were they were barely able to qualify with these new easy credits, they were able to get larger hey, homes. If I can buy a mansion, I'll buy a mansion. And that pushes the home prices up right. across the board. Right, and and people flipping as well. And people, people flipping as buying well. a house to resell it. And but boy, yeah. if you got easy money, why not uh, well, take yeah, yeah. I, you know, the, I mean, there is that part of if you can use somebody else's money, go for it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was one of the unintended consequences, and that was one of the reasons why the housing prices just skyrocketed between 2000 and 2007, and that helped lead to uh, the housing bubble that we saw that crashed, obviously, in mm-hmm. 2008. And we had uh, several major banks uh, basically go out of business and get destroyed, and so many people losing, uh, I mean, billions of dollars in, in their, their 401ks, 403bs. I mean, just a nightmare. Yeah, it, it was really something. Uh, a lot of these mortgage you know, there were mortgage-backed securities, MBSs. There's mortgage-backed securities would take these mortgages and they would wrap them up into a paper investment instruments and carve them up and then sell them in, in what they call tranches or sections. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of other investment people came in and bought them. And then they would they would take those investments and repackage them as new investments and then resell them back out. And, uh, you know, a mortgage could be resold 10, 15, 20 times. 
uh, within the market. So when that core mortgage went delinquent, there was a domino effect across mm-hmm. a lot of different investment instruments that had been created. They were all paper, but they had all been created based back on that mortgage. And, and the uh, dominoes all fell and down. All, and all the dominoes fell down. And then, of course, we saw what happened. Yeah. And uh, sent in us into a recession. And uh, uh, our guest is Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Coming up, we're going to talk about some of the things that the government continues to do that may lead us back in the same direction. And we'll talk about, maybe as Christians, what our perspective should be on taking out a home loan. And if you're thinking about buying a house for the very first time, um, what's your responsibility? So stick with us here on Faith Radio. Welcome back. 18 past the hour. This is Faith Radio. What does it mean to be a good steward with our finances? What does it mean for the government to be a good steward? Uh, Bill English is here from BibleandBusiness.com. We've been talking about the fact that the Wall Street Journal has had several articles recently very concerned that some of the policies the federal government has put in place are starting to encourage another housing bubble, the same things that we saw back in 2008. Bill uh, sort of traced what happened uh, during that kind of lead up to the crisis, the financial crisis of 2008. So the government's starting to make the same mistakes again? Well, not starting. They are just continuing to grow the mistakes that they've already made because somehow they think that if they do the same thing again, they're going to get a different result. Look, what, what's happening right now is that Fan or is it Freddie? I think it's Freddie that is um, uh, piloting a new program that basically says if you're applying for a mortgage and you don't have enough income for that mortgage and you have another person in your house living with you who is not going to be legally responsible to repay that mortgage, you can still include their income uh, as part of your application so that you get your ratios more in line. Remember the debt-to-income ratio. You, you can get those ratios more in line and thus qualify for the mortgage. So let's say, okay, my brother comes right. to live with sure. me for a while. He's going to stay with us, and, and he's earning, I don't know, $50,000 a year. Sure. So I go to purchase a new home, and Freddie says, it's okay for me to include my brother's income when applying for the loan. Sure. So let's say you make 50 he makes 50 On paper, you have $100,000 applying towards that loan. They approve the loan. You move into the house. Life is good. The angel, you know, clouds part, angels sing, and everybody's happy. Right? And then my brother moves out, and I don't have his income anymore. Correct. What happens? You're probably going to go delinquent. Yikes. You're probably going to go delinquent on the loan. It's going to ruin your credit score, and you're going to give the house back to the bank. And now the bank is going to have to uh, uh, you know, turn this house. They're going to have to unload it on the secondary market. And uh, you'll have a year uh, before you have to turn it back to the bank. And chances are you won't take care of it. So you'll devalue the home through not repairing it or through abusing it And the it neighborhood goes down. And, and what we're talking about is not an, an isolated incident. We're no. talking about... Thousands, maybe uh, tens of thousands of situations like this. Yeah, probably, uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say hundreds of thousands. At least I hope they're not that unwise. But uh, I would say tens of thousands. Yeah, I mean this is not a good thing. Uh, look, right now, of course, according to the national what is it? The National Mortgage Risk Index uh, from May, seventy-one percent of our first-time home buyers are today are buying homes with five percent down or less, which we 
in the last segment. We know that that's not good. 27% have debt-to-income ratios above 43%, not 38%. And 22% had a subprime credit score below 660. So we're already repeating the mistakes that we have made uh, with first-time home buyers again. Why? What, what, help me understand the, the 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 mindset of the federal government. Is it just that every the, everybody needs to have the American dream? Everybody needs to have a home, regardless of whether they qualify. Hey, honestly, I think the the fairness thinking is so baked into most in the federal government that for some to have a home and others to not have one is just patentedly unfair. The economic system is unfair. Uh, it is uh, it is something that needs to be rectified. It is an evil and an injustice that needs to be rectified. And so they they do things like this to help encourage low and moderate, I mean, very low income and low and moderate income people to obtain a home. And look, I'm not saying low and moderate income people shouldn't have a home. What I'm saying is that they should have the home that they can afford. And uh, by lowering the underwriting standards doesn't do anybody any good in the long run. It helps the it helps the low LMIs in the short run, but it doesn't help them or anybody else in the long run. Just like lowering the education standards in our schools doesn't help the student in the short or the long run, and it doesn't help our country in the long run. Mm. Okay, we got about uh, two minutes left. Just some pra- sure. practical advice to a young couple who is considering the purchase of their very first home. Don't go for the easy credit. Uh, try to get yourself in a place where you're really doing a prime mortgage, not a subprime mortgage. So um, usually subprime mortgages are given to people who are living hand-to-mouth, and if anything were to go wrong, they wouldn't be able to make their mortgage payments. And you pay a higher interest rate anyway yeah. on that, So right? what I've been trying to teach my kids, who are now almost adults, uh, you know, if, if you're you know, take the first 10% and that goes to the Lord. So we always tithe uh, the first 10%. Now, if we want to do gross net, I don't care. You, That's between you and God. The next 10% goes straight into savings. You're always saving 10%. And then you, then you put another 5% away in a, in a kind of a fudge factor. So you try to live on 75% of your take-home pay. And so if you have to reduce your standard of living, so be it. Uh, that's, that's, that's just how it works. If you can do that and save up money and have your 20% down, keep your debts very low, keep your credit card debt away, don't have any of that if if at all possible, and then uh, spend conservatively, uh, you will be able to get a very nice mortgage. And it may not be for the wonderful palatial home that you'd like, but it would be a place that God can provide for you that you can live in. It will be simple. It will be best. And... When the economy goes to hell in a handbasket, you won't be nearly as affected as as the other people who are living uh, right on the edge. Mm. And of course, always have that emergency fund available as yeah, well. Yeah, you, you uh, really do. And I, and I'll just I'll just say this: uh, we are eight years out from our last recession. Okay, recession since 1960. We have had a recession every seven to ten years. And the average is eight years. Our last one was eight years ago. Mm. And this jobless recovery, this anemic, really flat recovery that we've had has not been good. And uh, I believe that sometime between now and the end of 17, we're going to go into another recession. Uh, This is the time to build cash and get out of debt as much as possible. Thank you, Mr. Sunshine. Yes, that's me for more positive thinking. <laughs> no, I appreciate the fact that you're you're speaking truth, Bill. So thanks for saying so much. Bill, you're welcome. Bill English of BibleAndBusiness.com. You can learn more about Bill and his writing at BibleAndBusiness.com. 